Dotnet Rocks episode 763 with guest Glenn Block. Recorded live Friday, April 20th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl and Richard and Glenn Block coming up here. What's up, my friend? I'm having a great day. How about you? I'm having an awesome day. It's like, you know, we people don't necessarily know this, but we record a bunch of shows back to back, and it's a lot of fun. It is. You get to think about different things in rapid succession. So I got a story for you. Okay. All right. So I like to play uh, some bluegrass and Irish stuff with some friends of mine down at the pub on Sunday afternoon. So. Mm-hmm. One of the guys, his name is Jim Kelly. Jimbo Slice is his name. And he's got this awesome Irish voice. He's got like a deep kind of just classic voice for the kind of stuff he does, right? Sure. So we're playing and everybody loves it. And this, and this girl comes up to him and hands him a card and walk and look, gives him a stare and walks away. And he doesn't think too much of it. And after the gig, she's gone, right? He looks at the business card and it says on, you know, in the main middle of the card, you're so f- awesome <laughs> and then under that it says that is all and then at the very very bottom on the right it says keep that shit up <laughs> i guess she liked his voice what a great card yeah i want to make some of those it was actually printed it was printed card. it was a printed business card that's awesome that's it I had a I I had a friend who, you know, we we have a certain number of people in software that are are a bit odd. Yeah, yeah. 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 So this was this fellow literally uh, couldn't stand to be touched. Like this, wow. just you know, I mean, Rory needed to be cleaned after he was touched. This guy just couldn't <laughs> be touched at all. So I had him cards printed up that because everybody of course permission to shake his hand. He was quite a good developer. So he had I had printed cards for him that just said, "Please don't touch me." <laughs> and I saw, I saw him just gave him the stack there you go he was very grateful actually that's great and then it's just every time someone would come at him he just hand him the card he didn't have to say anything he didn't have to lince back and they pick up the card they look at it and then there you go you're done please don't touch me you know that's awesome alright better know framework time hit me what do you got alright well I know we've talked about this before but it's such a fundamental thing mm-hmm. if you're doing any kind of SQL Azure work that you really need to know about this so uh, I'm talking, of course, about the SQL Azure Migration Wizard. Ah, oh, yes. This is, you know, if you're doing it by hand, stop that. <laughs> Just stop right now. We Don't ported, do that. We ported the entire .NET Rocks database up into SQL Azure with this tool, and I had to do nothing but press the button. It just worked. Nothing. Nice. Yeah. So Andy Novick, who's a good friend of ours, he wrote a little article about how to use this. And you can get that at tinyurl.com slash SQL Azure MW. S-Q-L-A-Z-U-R-E-M-W. There you go. For me to you. 
What's up, Richard? Who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment off of show 753, and that was a show we did on Erlang, if you recall. Awesome show. Yeah. You know, we've got a few comments in there, but we've got a ton of Twitter traffic around it, which I thought was really interesting. You know, Erlang's got its own following. Uh, This particular comment, it comes from Stanislaw Swirk. And he says, uh, it's been another great show, even though, in my opinion, it wasn't perfect. I winced when I heard Carl saying he was checking who is talking about functional.net, which is mostly F sharp. Although F sharp encourages you to write functional style code, it doesn't enforce it. It's not pure. I think that C sharp is the most popular functional language on .net. It's been incorporating functional concepts for a while now, and it's pretty mature. It includes immutability, lambdas, recursion, monads, and type inference. So why aren't people making use of these features? Probably because they want to stay in their comfort zone. Imperative programming. Maybe. Some time ago, I was pushed into the functional side when I had to do a project in F-sharp. It was a purifying experience. Hmm. Hmm. When I came back to C-sharp, I rediscovered the read-only keyword and changed my opinion on static methods. Stateless, of course. Now I'm still writing imperative code most of the time, but whenever I have to implement some algorithms, I'm always switching to functional C-sharp. Yes, there's a lot of ceremony, but it's worth it. Mm. Yeah. Which I think that's an interesting show, doing functional programming in C-sharp. We should do an episode just on that. Well, you know what what it is? I think uh, just because the features are there doesn't mean that people will use them. And I think that uh, when you're talking about a functional language, I think you need to add the word strictly in front of that strictly right. functional well and, and there is some advantages to doing that except that you have to learn a new language but y- you also get a sense here anders has been moving his language forward and one of the directions he's been moving it into is this functional approach Absolutely. so these things are here which it's really interesting so uh, your point's well taken Absolutely. Line, i appreciate that yep and probably a good idea uh for you who want to get into functional programming is learn a little f sharp and then just like stanislav says you go back to C-sharp and then you realize what you need to do to C-sharp ceremonially in order to make it functional for you. That's an interesting point, Carl. I think that's very clever. You'd almost make a class around that. Do these things in F-sharp, change the way you think. Now, when you go back to C-sharp, you'll tackle it differently. Yeah, you'll know what to do. That's really cool. And uh, Stanislaw, thank you so much for your comment. Uh, mug is on its way to you. An amazing .NET Rocks mug. They're good. I'm drinking from one right now. Me too. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NETrocks.com. And before I introduce Glenn, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have over 250 hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. They release 10 to 15 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access to their vast video library. Pluralsight offers a full curriculum on web development with over 20 courses on ASP.NET development and 10 courses on jQuery, JavaScript, and HTML5 programming. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that, let me welcome back to the show Glenn Block. Glenn is a program manager on the Azure Application Platform team, providing support for hosting of Node.js applications in the cloud on Windows Azure. He has experience both inside and outside Microsoft, developing software solutions for ISVs and the enterprise. He's also been active in involving folks from the community in the development of software at Microsoft. This is including shipping products under open source licenses, as well as assisting other teams looking to do so. He's also very subdued. Welcome, Glenn. (laughs) I am very subdued. He is a subdued guy. 
But, you know, I'm really happy right now because I'm sitting in a hotel in San Francisco overlooking Union Square with a beautiful view. And apparently because I complained at my last hotel that I wanted a view, they now have me marked on Hilton Honors, like needs good view. <laughs> so when I showed up today, I was, when I showed up this week, I was happily surprised in my subdued way to uh, to hear them say, uh, yes, Mr. Block, we have a room for you and we understand you like a view. <laughs> Fantastic. So sometimes it, you know, makes sense to cause a scene. I didn't actually cause a scene. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's really nice to see blue sky, which lately we don't see in Seattle. It's the view that subdues. <laughs> so, Glenn, you're working in uh, on Node.js hosting. That's exciting. Yeah, it's been, it's been really awesome. It's a little bit more than that, but I was, you know, I didn't want you to have to fumble through more words. Well, tell us. Tell us exactly um, what you're doing. Well, we do primarily two things. Um, so Microsoft, about eight months ago or nine months ago, decided we really wanted to get into supporting this Node.js thing. Um, Node.js really came on the scene, I think it's over two years now, um, and it's a way to build uh, really scalable applications written in JavaScript on the server. Um, and one of its cornerstones is the fact that it has a non-blocking I.O. model, which is something that people have become more and more concerned about, especially as we've gone towards more of these real-time applications where the browser is continually, uh, you know, where if I have 20,000 clients connecting to my app, then they're continually connecting. It's not just like when the developer hits like next and previous. And Node has really emerged as a platform that's great, or a, or a stack that's great for doing real-time communication. But but one of the other really cool salient features is that it's very very small. I mean, on Windows, you get a single executable that has you know Node, which includes the Google V8 uh, JavaScript runtime, and then after that you have a package manager. You know, if, for folks familiar with .NET, you have uh, uh, NuGet. Uh, Node has a package manager called NTM. But what's really cool is because Node is so small, it's just a little bit, a uh, little layer on top of JavaScript that adds a bunch of HTTP APIs uh, for like hosting a server and things like that, and a couple of file system things. Everything else is a module, and there's like almost eight. I think there's eight thousand modules, or close to eight thousand wow. modules right now. Yeah, wow. And Node amazing. is not even that old, but the ecosystem has been amazing, um, and I think. Because of the fact that the, you know, that Node Core is so small, and I really applaud those guys for being really disciplined. It's it's kind of set itself up that way. So that was the Node story itself, and and but the problem was the Node story in Windows kind of sucked because uh, Node was developed on the Linux operating system, and the file system is different in Linux. So right. um, for a long time, people were using well, long is all relative considering the thing's only a couple of years old, but for quite a while. People were using Sigwin in order to use uh, to be able to build Node apps on Windows because Sigwin basically makes the Linux file system uh, makes the Windows file system appear like the Linux file system. Wow! Um, so we we heard a lot of customers saying, "Hey, we really want Node support." So uh, and we want proper Node support. And Microsoft stepped in. And you know, one of the things I like to highlight is just that. We, we've hired a full-time employee that is working on an open-source project and contributed actively. Uh, his name is Igor Zinkovsky. Uh, he'd be an interesting guy to have on the show at some point. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, uh, shameless plug there. But 
He really worked actively to help us get a good story for hosting Node on Windows. And then after that, we said, okay, well, now we have you know, Node working on Windows. Well, the next place we should go is to our cloud because a lot of folks that are building these apps want to deploy them. And that's where I came in is to come. And, you know, I came at the point when we didn't know what that cloud story looked like. And I helped to figure out uh, what it would look like to take Node to Azure. Tell me this. What is the killer app demo for Node.js? When you go talk about Node.js and you fire it up you want to, and you want to pull up an app that can communicate with it, what's the killer demo? There's two killer demos. Uh, one is like really full-fledged real app, and that, for me, the most compelling demo I've seen of Node is um, a tool called Cloud9. Um, Cloud9, for those, are the peop- for those people that don't know, which you can find at uh, c9.io, is an online IDE. You develop in the browser, um, and it's a really rich experience. I mean, it's an ama- it really made me think differently about what you can achieve in a browser app. But what a lot of people don't know, so, so it's an IDE for JavaScript, and it's an IDE for Node. Wow. Uh, and it's like almost like a Visual Studio type experience, but it's running in the browser. Wow. It is powered completely by Node. Wow. So Neat. people that look at Node and say, oh, that thing's like a toy. Um, when I look at Cloud9, I mean, I, I see something that is like, wow, it really changes the paradigm of applications. So, and is there, a, is there an interactive demo of Cloud9 if you don't have Node set up, you just want to see what no, it no, looks no. like? No, no, no. Cloud9 runs in the browser. You don't install Node. All right, but what I'm you saying is... You don't install it at all. I mean, if, if any of the callers just go to c9.io... You can log in with your GitHub credentials. You're in an IDE instantly. That's the beautiful thing about it. There's no installation whatsoever. I, I guess what um, I'm saying is, don't you have to have an account or have to have... Well, if you have a GitHub account, uh, you can just connect immediately. You really? don't have to create it. So you can free. create a server with Node.js without any kind of authentication is what I'm asking. You're not creating a server. You're, you're, think about it like this. I'm on my computer and I open Visual Studio. I do file new and I create a project. Um, what this, what this is really about is I go into a browser and create a new project. So I'm not creating a new server. That's, that's stuff that Cloud9 handles, how they deploy this application. Um, but what I'm doing is from my browser, I'm getting an experience that feels similar to what I would get if I was using something like Visual Studio. All right. So I'm at Cloud9, and it's actually the letter C, the number 9.io. It is. And, and, and all you, you can sign up for free. GitHub account is go connect with my GitHub credentials, and it'll prompt you like Twitter does to approve the app, and then you're in. And it looks like you can sign up for free. So they're free for, for open source. Pro- so what they do is they have private repos. They, they have Git support. They have a bunch of stuff. And I don't want to make this about Cloud9. I, I just want to say that this is a really rich experience that's real-time, uh, you know, feedback and everything else that, that is, you know, it's got a full debugger and everything. And it's yeah. all running in the browser. And it's using things like WebSockets and Socket.io, which is a popular module in Node, right. to offer this amazingly rich experience. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was getting at because I think most people's first experiences of a server-side technology is through some kind of app that demos it, right? So so I think that it's really important to get people over to Cloud9 to see firsthand what this, you know, what this Right, and it's not a do. sample. 
I mean, basically what you've got there is a tool for building Node that is written in Node. That's the thing that people have to digest. When they run that, when they run that app and you get into like that IDE and you pull in your GitHub repos and all that stuff and all the UI and mm. the richness, that is all powered by a Node backend. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our friends at Telerik, who bring you Telerik Reporting. Every business app comes with a requirement for visualizing data. But why bury yourself in coding endless charts and grids when you can add interactive data visualizations quickly and codelessly? And what if you have to export and print these visualizations? Well, there's no need to code any of this. Try Telerik Reporting the powerful ad hoc reporting solution for your web, desktop, and cloud apps. It's the easy way to create stylish, interactive .NET reports in a fraction of the time. It supports both relational and cube data sources, report embedding, and exporting to PDF, HTML, Excel, and Word, all in a single seamless package. Visit Telerik.com reports to download a trial copy. Telerik Reporting. It's fast, easy, and interactive. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Now, what do you have to have in terms of an Azure account to get Node.js running in Azure? You just have to have an Azure account. You just have to have an Azure account. Now, one of the things that's really cool, being that I mentioned Cloud9, Cloud9 offers the ability for you to build a Node app in in, in Cloud9 and then deploy that to the cloud. So they support deploying to Heroku. They support deploying to multiple places. And one of the places they also support is deploying to Windows Azure. So if you create a Node.js app in Cloud9, you can actually deploy it to a web role in Windows Azure. And we work with them, and that's that's been a great collaboration. But the other way you can do it uh, today is we actually have a set of PowerShell commands and an SDK the lightweight SDK, it doesn't require Visual Studio or anything like that, that you can download if you go to azure.com. Uh, there's a, we actually have a portal where you can go and you can choose developers and you can choose Node.js. So we actually have an entire portal, if you go there now, that walks you through how to build a Node application and deploy it to Azure. Wow. And so it's using PowerShell. And the reason we did that is because when we got out, when I got out on the team, you know, my first thing was figuring out, okay, so what does it mean to bring Node to Azure and what's going to be the experience? Because I always focus a lot on, you know, what are the touch points between the developer and the thing that we're building? Uh, or maybe they're not even just a developer. And so it became really, co- really apparent looking around at tools like Heroku and other companies like uh, Nojitsu that have deployment tools for the cloud, that the CLI experience, the command line experience, was really important in particular for the Node community. So we wanted to keep the spirit of that, and we were initially focused just on Windows, which is not our long-term focus, meaning we were just focused on a Windows developer can deploy to Windows Azure. Though Cloud9, I should mention, works on all platforms. It works on the Mac, it works on Windows, it works on Linux. So you have a fantastic story there as well for publishing to Azure. Um, and we saw all these CLI tools and we said, well, the great, the best CLI experience or the, the one that we push the most on Windows is PowerShell. So we went and created a set of PowerShell commands and a lot of people have given us really positive feedback and said, you know, with the PowerShell commands, it's just a couple of commands and you can publish to Azure. 
And, you know, for people that don't want to go through wizards and things like that, and they found it, you know, really, really uh, a breath of fresh air. Wow, that's awesome. So that was one killer demo, and you said the other killer demo was... The other killer demo is a smaller one, but it really shows off the real-time nature of Node. Um, is a There's a module in Node called Socket.io. A lot of people, when they think of Node, the first thing they think about actually is Socket.io. Uh, and there's another module called Express, which is like a web framework. A lot of people call it an MVC framework, but to be pure, it's really a web framework. Socket.io is about real-time communication, which, as I said, is one of the things that people really look for in Node. Because Node does really well for IO-bound type operations, where most of the work that's being done is like a request somewhere. Like I might do a request to MongoDB, or a request might be coming in. And that's because Node is actually a single-threaded model. Um, so if you do too much work on that single thread, then you're blocking and you're preventing other requests from being handled. So you do a lot of things through callbacks, which offload that thread to do additional work. And then once the IO work completes, like once that query completes to the database, then that callback that I passed off is then going to get executed. So anyway... So what Socket.io does, Socket.io is a module that allows you to use multiple transports of communication. It can use web sockets. It can use XHR long polling. It can use flash sockets. It can use lots of different things. SignalR has some similarities uh, in a lot of ways to, um, to Socket.io. And so the canonical app that a lot of people love to look at for Node is the Socket.io chat app. So if you install Socket.io, uh, like if you have Node and NPM, which is the package manager, you can do NPM install uh, space socket.io, socket.io. And when you get socket.io, it will have within it a chat app. And that chat app allows multiple browsers to open. Like you could open your browser, I could open my browser. Um, as a matter of fact, I have one live in Windows Azure right now. If you go to gblock-chat.cloudapp.net, Okay. Let me make sure that's up. You should be able to go see this right what now. What is it again? Gblock-chat. Yep, it's up. So I'll just... .cloudapp.net. So I'll just type my name. And if you go type in, Richard, if you guys uh, or Carl have your browser open, you can open it, and the two of us can chat together, and it's a real-time chat. There you are. All connected. Hey, Carl. So this is Socket.io. It's a very simple example, but what's amazing, too, is the amount of code to get it done is very, very little if you actually look at the app. This is just JavaScript in the browser? It is, and it's a Node.js backend running in Windows Azure. That's great. I mean, you know, a chat application is one of those killer apps that everybody wants to have but requires some sort, usually in the past, required some sort of you know, binary running in the browser just because uh, there wasn't anything to handle that kind of level of um, asynchronicity and all of that stuff. So this is great. Yeah, I mean, and it's simple, but the thing is when people look at it, they see that it's not that hard to write that kind of app because you can leverage a module that helps you. Sure. But the other thing that really pushes on is WebSockets. Um, so Node, you know, has supported WebSockets out of the box. And I think part of the reason for that is because it's a brand new, uh, you know, it's a, it's a brand new platform that was built from the ground based on a lot of the modern, um, modern technologies and protocols. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and that sample, 
When we, so when we deploy to Windows Azure, we support WebRoll and we support WorkerRoll. So WebRoll runs on top of IIS, and so we basically have a layer that will inter- that will integrate Node so that when it's hosted, and, and you actually had Tomic on the show, so IIS mm-hmm. Node gets used when we deploy to uh, when we deploy to WebRoll. But WebRoll doesn't support WebSockets yet because yeah. IIS doesn't support WebSockets yet, but it will soon. Mm, but nice. Node is really its own complete stack and has no coupling to yeah. IIS. Yeah. So that app that you see running, if you were going to use your, um, if you used Google Chrome, for example, or IE, and you look at the dev toolbar and you, you monitor the network traffic, you'd actually see a, a WebSockets upgrade request. Um, cause that is running in worker role and it's actually using real web sockets cause IIS is not present. It's and not, so it's just not going through IIS, it's going directly to node. Got it. And just to recap, we're, everything's going over port 80, right? It is. So there's no firewall issue. Right. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. Keep that shit up. <laughs> but I think it's more like the mentality of these really rich type of apps. Like I described cloud nine. You notice that in the node community, people parade like they show off, like this is a real time app. This is yeah. a real time app written yeah. in Node. Yeah. They had a conference called Keeping It Real Time in Portland that I went to, mm-hmm. and everybody who was there was showing these apps that previously you could have only done in the desktop. Yeah. And it's not that Node is the only thing that allows you to do that because right. .NET is investing a lot, like with SignalR and everything. But it's that the difference is that the cult of mentality from the beginning in Node has been. Like, if we're building this thing, this is what we want to be able to support. So right. you find lots of support out of the box for building those really rich uh, applications. That's awesome. You know, what? I, I got a comment off of Twitter uh, from Derek Schwegel, who actually mentioned Show 711, which is the one we did on Node.js with Tomash. And, uh, and I double-checked it. One of the things that Tomash said was that, you know, JavaScript doesn't run as fast as native code. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that the difference was acceptable. And I'm just, you know, it, it sort of hit me. Isn't it funny? We're in this place where we want to use JavaScript as a language for this highly performant app. Yeah, yep. it is how funny. Did, how did we well, get here? Here's and, the thing. Whether it runs the... faster or not, in some cases, is irrelevant because the thing that it can do very well is handling really large volumes of requests. Right. Because of this async you know, the async nature that is inherent in Node. Um, all the APIs in Node, or like 99% of them, are non-blocking. Right. So it's like been designed in a way that is really optimized for achieving scale, even though it's a single-threaded model. Yeah, the speed of the code doesn't matter if you're running in a non-blocking model. This is exactly. fast enough at the code execution. Latency is a bigger deal. All right, well, yeah. let, let's talk about client-side. I mean, obviously, JavaScript isn't the only way you can hit a Node.js app uh, in, the, in the cloud, right? Absolutely. I mean, so think about it. I mean, WebSockets, for example, is not only even limited to the browser, but a lot of people are building RESTful-type services. Let, yeah. me, let me give you a fantastic example. Okay. Fourth and Mayer, which is one of the super popular apps on Windows Phone, for which, uh, you know, which Jeff Wilcox built and which... Um, is a Foursquare app that is powered by Node.js, and this is actually at number four, four t h a n d m a y o r dot com, fourth and Mayer. Just wanted to get that right. And you can get it in the Windows Phone App Store. I mean, it's in the App Store. Cool. You know, and he's got like eighty thousand users. 
Um, and this is an app that is backed by Node.js. Great. That's awesome. So here's an example of an app that is running in a mobile device. And actually, that's another big trend that you see. A lot of folks, a lot of startups, they're building out these mobile apps, and they're using Node as the back end. Now, that's not to say that's the only thing that that people are using. And, and often, as these companies are growing, Node is mixed in with other things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it's a style, too. Like, there's people that just really like JavaScript, and they, they like, you know, that there's that ability to say, you know, one of the salient things is that ability to say, hey, I write my client in JavaScript, I write my server in JavaScript. Um, but let me make it all clear. Like, I... The fact that, you know, Microsoft is not just investing in Node in the cloud, we're also investing in PHP in the cloud. We want our cloud, you know, the, the game really has changed for us in the sense that, you know, we're now focused so much on, on being a cloud company. Uh, um, and in the cloud, we want to enable whoever wants to build software in our cloud to do it. So... Some people see what we're doing and they say, oh, does this mean like Microsoft is pulling back investment in .NET and I have to learn Node? And the answer is absolutely no. Uh, we are investing seriously. I mean, we just added a, did a lot of work, for example, to bring WebSockets into the next version of .NET. And we've got SignalR. And we've got lots of things. ASP.NET MVC4 just shipped. So really what we're trying to do here is just offer more options. And we see mm. communities coming up that really like Node. And we're saying, well, we don't want you to have to say, well, I can't use Windows or I can't use the cloud, your cloud, because you don't allow me to use the tools that I like. Surfing the web? Yeah, you ever try to surf the web on your phone? It's a little small. Especially when you're looking at a big list like the new feature list for Active Report 6. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we've been using it for 15 years. You know, the coolest new feature, I think, is the new Silverlight Report Viewer. What's cool about it, of course, is it's both native Silverlight for printing, but it's also got PDF support. So that really minimizes the amount of data that has to come over the wire. Makes it a lot more efficient. Well, we've been looking for a good solution for Silverlight data viewing. Yeah, it's a great product. I, I think I'm going to order it. Not on that. No, not on here. I'll go to my desk first. Active Reports from Grape City Power Tools. Smarter components for smarter developers. Hey, Richard, guess what time it is? Must be that happy time again. It's time to give away a Telerik Ultimate Collection. Awesome. And uh, today's winner is Leonard Eames. Leonard, congratulations. Congratulations. Golf, Golf clap for you, Golf Leonard. Golf clap for Leonard. And uh, he's, he wins because we picked his name at random from all of the members of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what that is, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button in the upper right-hand corner, fill out a few forms, and you're off to the races. It's that easy. We give away stuff every show, and every December, we're giving away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky winner. Awesome. So why not? Just do it. It's good. It's good. It's good. You'll like it. Click on the link. Get Free Stuff. Get Free Stuff. Um, you know, I'm blown away by the diversity of platforms that Windows Azure supports. I mean, .NET, Node.js, Java, PHP, they got Hadoop running on it now. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, and, and I think that's, you know, that's the world we're living in now. Um, but I'm, I'm really happy that Microsoft has been able to rise to the occasion. And, you know, we've got, we've got a long way to go, but we've made really good progress. And that's been received very well. Um, and, and I think that's also been a big part of our success. So, um, 
Like when we started the Node project, we didn't just say, okay, we're going to go off and build something for, you know, Node, and we're just going to expect, like, community's going to love it. We we really got out there with a lot of people in the Node community that were well-respected and say, hey, you know, we want to have a good story, a good credible story for Node.js in the cloud, and will you help us? And, you know, found that people were tremendously, you know, great folks like Nojitsu and, and, and you know, Ryan Dahl from, from Joyant and Cloud9 and, and, and lots, Michael Rogers, lots of other people uh, really came out and, and were supportive um, and helped us figure out what to do. Um, and the other thing we did too is we don't, we don't just allow you to build node apps and support and deploy them to Azure. We also provide an Azure module in node, which will allow me from within my node application to access Azure services like service bus, table storage, um, blobs, et cetera. And you can even use that if you're not hosted in Windows Azure. Like I could be, we have, I know one person in Rackspace who, who wanted to use their, their Node app is hosted in Rackspace, but they wanted to use some of the services of Azure, like hmm. Service Bus. And you can do that uh, with that module. What's the impact of moving your data so far away from your app? Uh, you're saying like if I'm hosted in Rackspace? Yeah, I'm mean, hosted in Rackspace, but I'm you know retrieving my data from from sure. SQL Azure there's or you e- know, you know table there's store. egress charges and things like that, and and that's where ideally, if we have a really good story and somebody's using Azure services, they're certainly going to save money, um, and and have better throughput if they're running in Azure because then the data that they want to get access to is running in the same data center. Um, but still, in all, like there are services like Mongo HQ and other stuff. There, there are services that people use, even though they incur those costs, as long as the costs are manageable. Um, but yeah, you're, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a relevant point. Yeah, I got a question. If you're, do, how, how real time is Node.js? In other words, if I want to do stuff where latency is really an issue, I mean, taking apart, taking away the general latency that's inherent in the internet, do you find that there's, um, Less a, do you find that there is uh, enough of a low overhead, let's say it that way, to support, uh, you know, sort of real time, real time, real time stuff? And what I'm talking about is something that you know, like I'm going to play a note on a keyboard, and I pretty much want to hear that come back to me as soon as possible. And if there's a delay, it's going to mess me up. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I can't, you know, I'm not the expert on that. What I can say is there's a lot of, you know, like take the chat room. Like there's one company I know of that has like a chat room that has to support like thousands of people um, in room. Um, and they use Node as part of their solution. Um, so I think they're, you know, I think that you can do really scalable things with Node and it's designed for Uber scale. If you look at some of the companies that are using it, um, LinkedIn is a company that wrote a big article about how they huh. use Node at the center of their mobile strategy, and they have lots of mobile clients that we're connecting. Um, so I think low latency is actually one of the salient points um, about Node. But again, it depends on what you're doing, because you'll find plenty of, and there's plenty of startups, for example, that are using Node as a piece of a solution. Yeah. Um, because as things scale up, they may find that, you know, Node is not the best for everything. And, and 
you know, and, and I think Ryan will tell you that as well. Like, I mean, there are certain things that Node does really, really well. And there are ways to work on the things, there are ways to address the things that it doesn't do well or that it's not perceived as doing well. For example, Node has this thing called Cluster. And Cluster is an API that allows me to spin up multiple Node processes and I can, like, message between them. If I want to do something that actually requires more work that needs to, like, leverage more threads and things like that, um, there are things that I can do, um, but I found, as I've talked to different startups and other stuff, that you know, once they get to the point where they say, "Yeah, there's things I could do to try to make this work," and no, but there's other things like even Erlang. I've seen people, you know, you mentioned Erlang earlier, who said, "Hey, I use Node for part of the stack. I use Erlang for part of the stack." So, I think you know, or Java. A lot of people using Java. So there, there's different. Um, you know, there's there's certain places Node really shines, and and then there's places where maybe it's not the best thing for you to use. No, that's good. I mean, ultimately, I guess it means you just got to try it and see if it's going to work. Yeah, I think that's what you have to do, and 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 everybody's needs are different. Like there are startups today that you know are looking at Node. A lot of people are looking at Node as the new Rails. You know, like companies are starting up and they're saying our stack, top to bottom, is Node. Over time, that may change, but that's okay. I I, I wonder if it is, is this really a complexity issue that at some point you get enough JavaScript together that's got to work together, it just gets too hard, and you need a more structured language. Um, there are certain I I haven't you know I've seen you know JavaScript has its challenges, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and as you start writing async code, there's a lot of challenges like. How do I manage all those callbacks and do I end up, you know, Rob Connery has an interesting post where he says, oh, Christmas tree, because he talks about, you know, callbacks, calling callbacks, calling callbacks. And if they're all inlined anonymously, it's really ugly. But right. there are things you can do, like name your functions. You can pull things out and you can, and there's lots of helper modules to do stuff. Um, I haven't seen that itself be that much of a, I mean, it's been a pain, but people have managed it. I think the thing is that there are some things, like if you do a for loop, let's use a for loop. Let's have a for loop that does 100 iterations, but um, the code that is running during those iterations is somewhat expensive. In Node, if, if, if you know, for that Node process, it cannot accept any other requests while that's happening. Right. So you can design that code in such a way that when that for loop runs, it's invoking a bunch of, you know, it's, it's queuing up stuff that will happen asynchronously, like it's making an I.O. call to a, you know, to a database, which will then have a callback. And that will actually work absolutely fine because it's not, it's not really blocking that single thread for, for more than a you know, moment. I think those are the challenges people have. And, and, and it, it does force you to really think about your development differently, like things that you used to do with just a simple for loop. If I want those things to run sequentially, I can't really do. I have to like make the callback, wait till the callback completes to then keep iterating. Um, and so there's, you know, interesting, definitely interesting. And, and, and I have to pass on like the next callback so that when that first callback comes back, it can call the next callback to continue the iterating. Hmm. Um, that, that's a very different mindset than what many developers are used to. And some love it and they just eat it up and they, they actually get religious and hate when somebody tries to hide it because they say, well, this is what JavaScript is really about and this is what Node is about. But others, you know, who are not uh, necessarily the 
you know, I don't know, Einstein's fall back and say, well, yeah, I hear you, but I would like this to be a little simpler. Well, uh, you know, every time I talk to somebody about Node.js, I think to myself, man, I just got to check this out because my brain just goes nuts with stuff that I would like to do with it. And uh, I think this time you've pushed me over the edge. I'm going, you know, tomorrow is my day to play with Node.js. So thank you. Sure. <laughs> I saw that somebody tweeted and said a reference to an IDE isn't the reference implementation that I'd be looking for. I mean, there's tons. There are samples out there. Um, there's a sample called Wheat, which is a blog engine built on Node. And it's backed by a Git repo. Sorry, I'm just jumping in because I saw somebody tweeted. Um, right. So Wheat would be another thing that I would recommend, which is, you know, it's a, it's a full-fledged blogging engine. And a bunch of people have actually deployed blog engines powered by Wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a reference. Uh, that's a reference app. There's a bunch of other reference apps out there that you can, that you can find. Awesome. Yeah, I I feel like I want to chase down LinkedIn and see what they did on their mobile side using Node because, like you said, it's always going to be a hybrid implementation. This is not your be all end all back end technology, but for certain things, it's clearly going to be a good way to go. Though, like it may be your be all end all if you're small. Yeah, like everything is all about you know, like LinkedIn and Twitter and Google and Microsoft. You know, these are at a whole other level of scale. Yeah, it's good stuff. I think that's the show. Cool. Yeah, anything we've missed, Glenn? No, I, I don't think so. I, I just um I think I just wanna make it clear that first off we're not only focused on Node. This is really about making Azure an open place. I know I said that before, but I really wanna reiterate it to make sure people understand like why we're doing this work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is really about just making Azure a better place to build software and making it more open to more people. Um and, you know, that that's really what this whole strategy is about. And don't read into it more than that. That's that's really why we're doing this. Yeah, there's many, many platform choices on Azure. And .NET's at the top of the list. Yep. Absolutely. Very cool. Thank you guys very much. Thank you, Glenn. And uh, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember... Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, Go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the 